Welcome to the Free Thinker Society podcast. I'm like, on a rant, I think, about, about conspiracy theorists and fuck that term and explain how the CIA coined that term. And I said, you know, we're, we're free thinkers. And as soon as the episode was over, Sam called me. He's like, you need to start a show called The Free Thinker Society with Mike Romanelli. What is up, freaks, geeks, and free thinkers? This is Mystic Mark filling in for Mike Romanelli, going solo on this intro here. Mike Romanelli and I interviewed a very interesting guy, someone who was also on my other podcast, a gentleman named Chad Stemke. He's a field investigator, a researcher into UFOs and anomalous zones, specifically the Great Lakes region. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't worry, Mike is here, just not for the intro. Be sure to share the show with your friends. Subscribe, follow, hit that like button, leave us a good rating and review, and join in on the Telegram. We've got a Freethinker Society Telegram. Link is in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Chad Stemke. city and i you also said something i think in uh the higher side chat something about I- intuition and that's how you you go about researching right you said something like that i like that because that's the way i i go about things and i was in detroit for a business meeting and spent a couple of days there just just mesmerized by the architect the architecture and just thinking about what that city was like when it was hustling and bustling and just seeing all of the the masonic imagery just everywhere it was amazing so yeah, yeah so absolutely. I, I know that absolutely. i know that you're here yes yeah, so i love to hear just more about you know like i was just intuition for me i was just walking around just i spent so much time in graveyards like it was just wild very eye-opening to me that i feel like almost every american should go there and see it reminded me of like new york city if you just pulled everyone out of it and just left it for you know for years and um it was so interesting, but I just know there's such stories that I, I, I would love to hear about. I mean, I, it, it's just an amazing place that well, all of a sudden now, let's get it. Down. I don't know. Let's get into it. I'm sure you have a lot to respond for what Mike just said, but do you want to tell maybe Mike a little bit about, about your research and, and how you got started and, and why you started looking into Detroit? Yeah, for sure, Mike. Well, initially, I was looking into, I had an interest in the Native American sacred landscapes along the Detroit River. Mm-hmm. And it came to find out that a lot of those ancient mounds that I was looking for were, you know, obviously tore down and covered up, in particular in Detroit, by parks. So I started, you know, trolling around the parks and checking them out, and there's just all kinds of crazy symbolism had emerged in these parks you know everything from egyptian to freemasonic to esoteric to gateway and stargate i mean just all this crazy symbolism had emerged yeah so you know over the years i started looking into the symbolism looking into the artwork and the artists you know and it's still going on over 10 years now looking at the symbolism and it's you know like you said, it's crazy down there. There's stuff everywhere. There's everywhere. stuff everywhere from heart plazas. Yeah, man, everywhere. There's a heart plaza that's aligned to the pyramids as well as the constellation of Orion. They did that using different pieces of art. 
And three blocks away, there's Campus Martius or Campus Mars. And there's just all kinds of crazy symbolism at Campus Mars. There's a five-sided glass pyramid, just like possibly on Mars. There's, you know, there's another Stargate sculpture, a giant soldier and sailor's pyramid. But, you know, there's just symbolism more so than some other places Mm -hmm. that over the years I realized a lot of the symbolism seems to be I call it re-emerging because it's some of the same symbolism that was there two, three hundred years ago with the Native Americans. Mm. So kind of my overall thesis is I feel like, you know, the veil might be a little thinner, so to speak, in Detroit. And somehow this art, you know, emerges through the artists and architects. Yeah. Chad, you said something else that's very interesting to me about the mounds. You were researching the mounds, and a lot of my start is also with Native American culture and things like that, where I got started. But with the mounds, what do you, if you had a, if you had a guess, what do you, what do you think they are? Ah, well, there's so many different kinds. You know, there's, as you would know, there's the burial mounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those, obviously, they thought those were a portal to the afterlife. There's the temple mounds and the geometric mounds. Many of the geometric mounds and temple mounds, those were usually astronomically aligned and so i think you know by astronomically aligning them they they felt that you know they could connect with the heavens so to speak and then there are also the effigy mounds mostly in the midwest and those took on the shapes of different animals but those two were mainly you know like the serpent mount i'm thinking of in ohio how how they the coils all aligned to the solstices and the equinoxes but they're you know, trying to find, I think, their spa- space and their spot and their time and space, you know, in this world. And they did that by creating these incredible mounds. Now, so that being said, I don't know if the Native Americans created all of the mounds. You know, yeah. some of the mounds, I think there's legends that they were there before the Native Americans. Possibly giants, you know right? Have you ever, have you ever uncovered just, any of that stuff with the giants? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just it. Absolutely, man. That's the Native American legends. A lot of them, they'll say, you know, we came upon these mounds, but there was an ancient race of giants that were here before us and built these mounds. So that's absolutely a scenario, especially where I'm from in Michigan, is the legends of the giants and the giants possibly mining copper. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I just, I sent Mark a, a story, what was it? A couple of days ago, Mark, about a, there's a story that just came out uh, recently about soldiers encountering the giants in Afghanistan. Yeah, was, that's uh, been out. That's been out for a while, though, Mike. I, re- I remember reading that story. Oh, yeah. Five years ago. Thing. Yeah, that I mean, I wouldn't doubt it if there's been maybe an update or maybe even another encounter. You could have I didn't get a chance to look at the story you sent me. But just from the yeah. summary, I was like, oh, this sounds familiar because our friend Tony Merkel, he's actually interviewed that guy who was in that cave. And then, actually, his name's L.A. Marzuli. He talks a lot about this event. I don't know if he was in Afghanistan or not. But L.A.'s been on Tinfoil Hat and, and talked about that. Yeah, it's the Kandahar Giants in Afghanistan. Yeah, it's just interesting, man. It's just like, what you know. There's so much out there that we just have no idea. The the the, the more I learn, the, the I feel like the least I know. Uh, the further I go down these rabbit holes, but you know, yeah, I just look at things and it's like just to, not to. I'm sorry with my ADD going all over the place, but 
Yeah, I just been I've been recently thinking about Giants again, and then I, that that story popped up. Yeah, Mark, maybe it was an old story, but it was just interesting. And then you know we're talking to you, or you said you started uh, chat with the mounds, and it's just it's like what 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 was going on here? You know, I was when I was listening to the pod your podcast interviews yeah. earlier, and just looking around at nature and just uh, listening to to everything you were saying. It's like you know with the stargates and and portals and and maybe the artists are are you know wh- where is that coming maybe these artists that when they do make these portals or these stargates they don't even realize they're doing it you know that's a whole phenomenon it's like it, it's so strange you know it just it's like seems like things are getting stranger the more i i, I dig and it feels like the less <laughs> i the less i know you know it's it's really it's really odd but yeah man so yeah. so uh, you know, not to jump around, even though I am jumping around, something else that was amazing about your research is all these disappearances that are happening in Michigan that are just strange. Yeah, what, what can, can we can we can you bring up the speed and our listeners up to speed on some of that stuff? Yeah, for sure. See, there's, there's lots of disappearances. We have boats disappear, you know, everything from tourist boats to actually like freight liners. Same with planes, but most interesting is to me anyway, is when we have people that disappear and on occasion there's several stories of people disappearing and reappearing and just having no memory of it. And, you know, it might maybe I'm not always saying it's supernatural, but it's strange. Yes. You know, and one, one case in particular, one case I love to tell because it's really weird. It's this guy by the name of Stephen Kubaki, and he was just a college-age student. This is like in the late 70s, and this was down in the Michigan Triangle, lower parts of Lake Michigan, and it was you know early winter or late winter, I'm sorry, and he was going to go on a little ski trip on the shores of Lake Michigan, and he told his parents where he was going. He was just going to go out there by himself for a little bit, do some cross-country skiing, and long story short, he never came home. So his parents right away called the Coast Guard and the police and everybody, and they went out to where Stephen was supposed to be. And all they found were they found his skis, you know, a trail leading up to his skis. Uh, the boots had stepped out of the skis and were still sitting there. And then some footprints leading out into the lake. And then supposedly the footprints just abruptly vanished. Wow. Well, that's kind of the end of the story they they searched for days for steven and you know and after a while the cops told his parents there's only one explanation he obviously fell through the ice and you know it must have frozen over you know we just didn't notice you know what happened yeah so they you know had memorials for steven and all that good stuff they thought you know he was gone they actually his college actually gave him a grad let him graduate from college and all that good stuff and I think it was 11 months later and hundreds of miles away in Massachusetts, Stephen wakes up on the top of a hill in a field. <laughs> and he's got supposedly brand fresh, clean clothes on. He's got a backpack sitting next to him. And supposedly the backpack's full of maps and stuff. And he doesn't know where he is. So he hikes down into town and finds a payphone. And calls his sister. Somehow he remembers his sister number. He calls his sister, and his sister's, of course, excited to hear from him and says, you know, Dad moved out that way, and you're like a couple miles from Dad's house now. <laughs> so he goes to his dad's, and, you know, imagine excitement. Stephen's still here. Stephen's alive. 
Yeah, wow. You know, <laughs> big media frenzy, of course. Mm-hmm. But he really wouldn't say much to the media other than he didn't know what happened. You know, he had, well, he said he had a marathon t-shirt on from Wisconsin. He said, maybe I ran a marathon, you know, in Wisconsin. I got brand new hiking shoes or running shoes. But, you know, he wouldn't go see a psychiatrist or nothing like that, which they wanted him to do. Later in life, he became a psychiatrist (laughs) and, you know, wrote some really strange books. But he, to this day, is doing fine. I can find him on Facebook, but he doesn't want to talk about the experience whatsoever. Oh. Wow, so, so he's still around. You know, he's not, it's happened to several people. He's still around, man. Yeah, he's a psychiatrist, and I went on Facebook and looked him up, and he's showing and now, him out there mountain climbing and traveling the world. And this is the guy. And I tried to, to Facebook friend him, but. To, to, to get down to, like, the, the location, though, so he ended up in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, right? Correct. And where exactly did they see, find his skis? What lake? Uh, it was the lower part of Lake Michigan. Okay. Would be close to Holland, Michigan. Okay. Which is kind of funny. It's right, <laughs> Sam was right just in Holland, Sam Michigan. Was last weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just popped in my head. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah, after Stephen Kubaki went missing. Exactly. You know what's funny? I was just on. I was just on uh, Sam's. Uh, he didn't ask me anything, and he saw that I was watching. So he's like, "Mark, get in here." So we were on. On, and I told him because I just talked to you the day before, Chad, and and Sam, you know, he puts me on the spot all the time. He's like, "Tell me something weird, Mark." So I just basically relayed your <laughs> your story of Stephen Kubaki to the best of my ability. And geez, sure enough, he's in that same place that week. How weird! But I wanted yeah, to just weird. point that out for people yeah. because Pittsfield, Massachusetts. My cousin lives up there. I know where that is. It is it is very far from Lake Michigan. It would take you probably yeah. ten hours by car, maybe twelve to go from one to the other. Not to mention the mountains and all the water in between that would yeah. you know stop someone from just maybe trekking it. And he, to his memory, he thinks he ran a marathon, which like, well, you know, doesn't seem like. <laughs> Doesn't seem like uh, you know he w- had the wear and tear of someone who ran a marathon. That's wild, and he didn't. He so he never really no, spoke no. to anybody about about anything other than he just didn't remember, huh? Yep, that, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. He he talked to the cops, but the cops didn't release a report. Uh, mm-hmm. He talked to the reporters and that told them what I just told you, and that that was pretty much it. Yeah. Wow. So then in this area in Michigan, there's been other other instances of of things like this happening, right? Boats gone missing and people. Yeah, absolutely. Boats and people, absolutely. So one, one person I can think of, it was actually Lake Ontario, so it's a little farther away, but he was a firefighter, and it was kind of the same scenario as Stephen Kubaki. He went missing, vanished, reappeared. He was he was skiing, and was supposed to come down from his last run. All his buddies were waiting at the bottom of the hill for him. This is a, this was a chief firefighter, by the way, so a stand up guy, and he never came down to the bottom of the hill. So his buddies, you know, obviously start searching for him. Searched for him for days. His family came in. Other firefighters came in from Toronto, and he ended up calling his wife like a four or five days later. And he was in California at an airport. 
stand and you know oh, wow. his wife told him yeah his wife said well get the police he did same thing he didn't know where he was and he was in an airport in california 90 degrees and he still had his entire ski outfit on his ski pants outfit his helmet and his goggles on top of his helmet <laughs> so how he got across the country you know and with no memory and they tried to they checked the airplanes he didn't fly in they checked if he hitchhiked in they checked all the truck stops couldn't find anybody that gave him a ride but you know something's happening when these guys go missing and the, the weirdest part is that they actually reappear and don't remember where they went you know it's one thing if you just never reappear you can do all kinds of excuses but when you reappear yeah and you just memory wiped it's strange yeah so chad like what okay so with all this things happening there if you had to speculate what do you think is happening Oh man, I like I always use, use the general terms: portals, gateways, the veil mm-hmm. being thinner. You know, I, I honestly, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like I yeah. Said, a lot of this could just be something we don't understand yet. But mm-hmm. my intuition, mm-hmm. I feel like there's some kind of portals or there's some something going on. We have all kinds of stone circles underwater and. It just, it just feels portal like to me, you know? Yeah. That's kind of the best way I can put it after a lot of research. I feel like there's something opening and closing and people are coming and going. And in some cases it might just be affecting you know, like the mechanics of stuff. It could just be magnetic. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's affecting the motor, you know? Yeah. So that's now, kind of it. I don't really know, but that's. How about. You know, this might be a little woo-woo question, but how does the energy feel when you're in that area? Does it feel a little different? Well, depending which area we're talking about, you know, say in Detroit, for, for me, when I'm at like Heart Plaza and the plazas we're talking about, it's the most incredible, uplifting feeling I've ever had. Like for me, Heart Plaza has changed my life. You know, to mm-hmm. this day, I'm still talking about it, you know. So in yeah. that way, it's incredible the same time there's places you can be you know that are eerie you know if you're on the middle of like uh, one of these lakes and you know a fog rolls and there is a feeling that you know you just can't describe you know yeah you don't know if yeah. you're, what time and place you're in you know so it, it, i think it swings both ways hugely I, the most inspiring place in the world mm-hmm. is, as well as one of the strangest and sometimes eeriest places in the world yeah yeah it's it's interesting you say that because i have to say i felt the same way i was in detroit i want to say it was about six years ago and i have to say i had that same people the the, the guy who was taking me around he was like it was some weird like hippie commune thing and he was like almost trying to like i don't know if he's trying to scare me about how dangerous the city this area was and i never had the feeling of fear if anything i just had a feeling of it was just felt amazing. This I like this place felt, it felt alive, even though there wasn't many people around when I was there. So I did have that feeling. I, I was, I was wondering more about in the lakes and, and where these portals possibly are. Did, so is that where there's more of an eerie feeling? I know like I can just go by myself, how I feel like when I'm in Sedona, Arizona, I have a feeling, I feel something there and people talk about portals and uh, vortex is there and the energy just feels like whoa like it feels almost whirling and different i wonder if that's is it more of a creepy eerie feeling where these where these portals may be 
in the by the lakes? For me personally, it, I don't I don't consider it creeping eerie. I consider it, you know, to me it's incredible. I love it. Okay, your okay. Average. No, I won't say. I wouldn't say your average person, but to somebody who wasn't expecting it or not aware that they might get that feeling. You know, mm-hmm. they might take it a totally different way. For me, I'm yeah. out there looking for this stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm looking, that's true. I'm looking for that. <laughs> that's true. So it gets you excited. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. magnetic. Right. I'm trying yeah. to find that magnetic portal above the stone circle, you know. But, yeah. you know, for your unsuspecting tourist that's driving their boat over it, I can yeah. say they feel the same, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Especially if uh, their engine quits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might be getting a little too out there right now with some of these questions, but yeah, it's not uh, at all, Mike. This is a free thinker society, no, brother. No, absolutely. No, that's it's how just we the, do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 really just amazing, man. And like, you know, it's obviously sounds like like the Bermuda Triangle, and you know, it's it's just wild. And the people. Has has there anything recent happened? Any missing things in the last five years? Or has it slowed down? Actually, I'm sorry. Before I ask that question, is there any high occurrence of crafts or anything in the skies happening? Oh, UFOs, man. Uh, UFO sightings are huge over the Great Lakes and Michigan in particular. It's actually originally what got me... It's originally what got me into all of this is I had UFO sightings, which led me to the star ancestors, which led me to the ancient mounds. But okay. yeah, UFOs are uh, very frequent, <laughs> very frequent, so to speak, around here. Okay. Said Project Blue Book was here. And I'm, if you ever heard of the, the the story of J. Allen Hynek talking about swamp gas, that you know, that all took place here in Michigan. Big, big flaps. Well, and That's I remember right hearing Holland, right over, right over Howard, Michigan. I remember hearing you say that they were so upset the town by this final conclusion that they ran this guy out of town, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, which, yeah, which just was, goes to show the chasing these things around for like. Well, it goes. Sorry, Chad. It it just goes to show, like you know what the yeah. average person's like take on these things it was and how it's altered because now people are probably so less likely to even be outside and looking up at the stars than they were back then but you really see like the community support each other like no we're not crazy we all saw this thing don't tell us we're wrong (laughs) yeah yeah that's exactly what they did man there was like a giant conference after i think it was the third day of the police chasing it they had helicopters chasing it they had it on weather radar so they had this huge conference, and they thought for sure J. Allen Hynek was going to come in there after the three days of going around town talking to people and tell them something. And they told them it was swamp gas. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said, there was a huge uproar. They made them get out of there, and they left town, basically. And it was actually that case that supposedly J. Allen Hynek, you know, started to change his mind and his framework with, you know, future cases and be a little more forthright. But that was the one that, you know, he gave him that great explanation of swamp gas. Over the Great Lakes, which aren't a swamp, by the way. (laughs) You know, it's a lake. Yeah. Wow. Um, Mike, you asked a really good question, then you jumped ahead to to a different topic entirely. Chad, I want to re-ask the question that Mike asked that was so good. Like, what's the situation like now? Have there been – because, you know, the human trafficking conversation is probably – more out there than ever 
people are worried. People are seeing the amount of people that go missing and probably attributing to, you know, criminal activity more often than anything nowadays. But are there still strange, weird disappearances like like the ones you, you just told us? Yeah, I mean, relatively recent. Like you said, with the trafficking and stuff, it gets a little more trickier nowadays when we start talking about people. So in that case, I like to, you know, resort to the planes and the ships, you know, because, you know, when a plane or ship disappears, it's another story. So as far as recent, the most recent good one I can think of close to me, it was in 1998. So it's pretty recent. You know, we had modern technology at that point. Mm. Well, but right do you... close to where I live in Traverse City. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Good. I was say right close to where I live in Traverse City, there's a giant bay where they have an air show every year. And in 1998, it's called the Cherry Festival. They had the guys come in for the air show, and there's a particular guy. His name was Don Scaler. And he came in, and he was going to fly his Czechoslovakian mig around for the first time. He's been looking forward to this air show. And he's out flying around the bay doing a practice run. And he was on radar the entire time and all of a sudden disappeared off radar. And that was it. Never returned. I mean, we're talking just, just offshore and instantaneously, you know, this was 4th of July. So they had all, they had the Blue Angels in town for the air show. So they had the Blue Angels out there looking for them. They had the local wow. Coast Guard out there with choppers and boats. They had the police out there. And this is all instantaneously. They had, it was on the news, so all the tourists and their local boats were out there scouring the lake. And there was just never no sign of this plane or this guy. There's no oil slicks, no debris. They, you know, they raked the bottom of the lake for years trying to find this. And wow. to this day, they haven't found it. And the craziest part of the whole story to me is I had this on my website, you know, under this article, if anyone wants to go see it, it's called the Great Lakes Triangle, the Quincy pilot, the state police did an interview with the widow of this guy, the pilot. And the state police literally told her the Great Lakes Triangle must have got your husband. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have this on video. <laughs> and uh, for, oh. I had no clue the state police would do what the heck the Great Lakes Triangle was. <laughs> and the fact they had the nerve to tell this lady that, well, maybe the Great Lakes Triangle got it. You know, it's just weird. Wow. It's just yeah, it is a little broadcast. But... That is weird. Oh, <laughs> yeah, super weird. But, but yeah, so when these entire planes or entire boats disappear and there's like instantaneous responses and you still don't find nothing, that's when it gets weird to me. Mm. And this happened to be, and I always point out this could be coincidence, but this happened to be directly over an area where there are two ancient stone circles. And I always point out these stone circles, I think, may have been built in ancient times over magnetic anomalies, but these ancient stone circles are now underwater, and for whatever reason, this plane disappeared in the exact same area as these underwater stone circles that I think mark magnetic anomalies. Wow. So right right where the plane was was where it lost radar on the radar is right where these this this circle is underneath the water exactly there's two wow one in traverse city where the plane took off from and then there's one in beaver island and the plane disappeared exactly halfway between these two stone circles wow. that are aligned to each other 
Yeah, that's got to. Is there any is there any images of these circles that anyone can see? Yes, absolutely. Anyone? There's one on Beaver Island. Yep, Beaver Island Stone Circle. And then there's one in uh -huh. Grand Traverse Bay. They call that one the, well, they call it the Lake Michigan Stonehenge. But wow. I'll warn everybody when you look that up, if you Google Lake Michigan Stonehenge, you're going to probably get some false images that look like a literal Stonehenge underwater with this diver. Those aren't the right pictures. It's, they're just giant boulders arranged in a circle. Okay. But, but yeah, so they're, and this, yep, they're absolutely there. They The, the Beaver Island, Chad, the Beaver Island stone circle, is it? Uh, am I on the right site here? They say that there are also strange stone carvings that uh, that seem to be, you know, indicative of an advanced culture moving these things around and, and you know, having the ability to, you know, work the stones in kind of a precise way. Absolutely. Yeah. The stone circle on Beaver Island, there's carvings on it, but center stone in particular they think there might be like a map an ancient map of michigan on it there's a couple oh, thunderbirds wow. on it and wow. even more interesting is the underwater circle that's in traverse city when that scuba diver went down there and took images of the largest stone there's a giant mastodon carved onto it which is i mean it's, it's no question the archaeologists of the state of michigan said yep that that's a mastodon there's no question so we can at least date this stone circle to 10,000 years ago when it would have been above water. Wow. So there's etched, it's actually etched in the, the stone of a Macedon, and this is underwater now? That sounds exactly. wild. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds wild. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's got to be something. It's, uh... it's a no, absolutely. So I'm just going to say it's in, a, it's in a protected location. Like we know it's in Grand Traverse Bay, but they don't give us the exact coordinates because they considered a Native American heritage site at this point. Mm. But you know, they, we know within a, within a, within a quarter mile or so where it's at. Right. Yeah, and it is it is interesting that there's this woolly mammoth. We were just talking, Chad, and I mentioned the the dog man, and I don't think we ever got back to that. But here we are now. Uh, speaking of strange creatures, anomalous creatures, I mean, woolly mammoth isn't anomalous. It, it is kind of strange that they would have some sort of uh, carving of it. It shows, that, if anything, that either they're much more ancient than we think or the, the woolly mammoth is much more uh, recent than we think. But when it comes to cryptids, the, the you know, science is out, I would... You know, place my bets that just like there's UFO sightings and strange disappearances, there's got to be strange cryptid, you know, <laughs> circumstances going on there too. Am I wrong? You are not wrong, Mark. Absolutely not wrong. Say so we, we have, you know, your class, your classic Bigfoot sightings, more so in the Upper Peninsula, but here in Michigan, the big cryptid is what they refer to as the Michigan Dogman. Oh, let's and hear about this. It's kind of strange. <laughs> Well, this is kind of weird because I would have never a couple when I lived in Detroit, I would have never known or talked about the Michigan dog man. I never heard of them. Uh, but I moved up north, way up north from Detroit about 10 years ago. I now live in the middle of the woods in a real small town. But long story short, when I first moved in my house, the very first week I moved in, I had 
this strange dream, and I don't usually talk about dreams, but I had this strange dream that I was standing out on my deck, and I was looking down towards my barn, which is about 100 yards away, and I saw this glowing set of red eyes. And as I'm trying to focus in on these red eyes, this thing comes lunging, flying at me, whatever you want to say, until I wake up realizing I was like this, at that point, I called it a werewolf. I didn't know what the hell I, you know, I woke up and thought I had a werewolf dream, but it was so weird and scary. You know, it was weird going outside in the dark and looking at my barn for a couple of days. <laughs> and I'd never been scared of a dream before like that either. Well, anyway, we just moved here. So my wife had gotten a job at the local restaurant as a waitress. And she happened, this is probably two or three days later, came, comes home and she's like, you know, I heard these lumberjacks all talking about they were scared to go in the woods and it was because they seen this dog man like creature and i mean you gotta make shit what are you talking about you know so so i went to the computer and actually for the first time typed in dog man you know and it popped up michigan dog man and there's a freaking picture of this black wolf like creature with glowing red eyes just like I had seen oh, man. in my dream a couple nights before. Well, <laughs> come to find out, a couple days later, she's waitressing again, and now there's some line workers, some electric workers, and they're having the same freaking discussion. And she, this time, she's like, I asked them what they're talking about, and they told me, you know, just jokingly, kind of, that they're afraid to go because of this dog man in the woods. So she's, you know, come home and she's like, I don't know if they're pulling my freaking leg or what, you know, but she, they asked her, they goes, well, where do you live? And she told them kind of where we live. And I won't say the exact name, but mm-hmm. we'll call it, we'll call it Meridian, Meridian Road. And they're like, you live off freaking Meridian Road? And we live off this little dirt road way outside of town. And they're like, do you know what the Meridian Mauler is? She thinks, oh, what the fuck's the Meridian Mauler? And anyway, they think this dog man, like my little corner, there's only two houses off my road, <laughs> mine and another house that's abandoned. And my Meridian Road, this thing is called the Meridian Mauler. <laughs> so, oh, man. You know, for, so for a year, yeah. So for a year, so I'd go out, this kind of half joking, but half serious, me and my wife would, you know, get our cowboy hats on and our video recorders on and, get all stoned and go out on Meridian Mauler hunts, you know, l- looking for this guy. And, you know, never found shit, but to this day, I still hear stories. Now my, now my wife's working at the high school with some of the troubled kids, we'll say. And it wasn't a couple of weeks ago. She's like, the kids are all talking about the dog man again. And she's like, I tried to tell them that my husband knew about the dog man. And, and, and they're like, well, does he know about the interdimensional dog man? And <laughs> oh, the kids are all into the dog man. Like, it's the cool thing. Like you said, there's a uh, the rumor, legend goes up here. It's every seven every seven years, he's supposed to reappear or whatever. Right. Yeah, man. The dog, the dog <laughs> man's the big thing up here. To, big burly dudes are talking about being scared to go in the woods, which blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, earlier I was telling Chad that another podcaster who lives in Michigan told me that every 10 years with the year ending in seven. So every like 2007, 2017 Mm -hmm. and so on, this Mm -hmm. dog man appears. And who knows, maybe that's just a part of the 
if somebody spun that into the to the folklore but wow yeah i i would be just as scared chad i don't blame you even if it's just a dream especially yeah. considering like <laughs> if it's an interdimensional entity how do we know that it wasn't you know on your property and its energy signature you know was yeah. so powerful that you interacted with it in your dream while you were asleep and it maybe was just rummaging around in your your yard looking around yeah absolutely that's what i'm thinking yeah i i could go with that man i could go with a leftover memory leftover energy on the landscape i could i could go with any of that for sure but certainly yeah, strange like said, one of those one of those things that just fell into my lap i would have never when i started doing this other research had connected it or thought it someday i'd be talking about a dog man but you know it is it is what it is mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any of the people like any of the guys, the lumberjacks or whatever, were, were scared. Any of them have sightings or or just they're just scared of it because it's just like the legend. Well, I, I don't know if she ever asked them. To me, I I thought they had sightings because I can't see any lumberjack. Like I'm not, I wasn't scared of the legend. You know, I ain't as big yeah. as these big lumberjacks. And when I found out about it, I went out there with my video recorder looking for them. <laughs> yeah. So I can't see, I can't see just the legend. I can't see these guys just the legend, especially yeah. if there's a couple of them trying to be cool with each other. Exactly. I, I think one of them are. They had to have some kind of experience, I would think. Yeah, someone had to see something right for them to be that scared. Yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's something more. That's a, or they could have just been messing with my wife, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. They definitely can. I I mean, when I was a kid and I moved into uh, um, the neighborhood that was, you know, I moved from a more urban into more of a, I mean, it's really more suburban, but to me, it seemed like the country f- freaked me out. They told me about this hook man thing and I believed it and they took me out there and somebody was waiting out there with the lantern. <laughs> so they got me at the right oh, perfect shit. time and they switched and I was so freaking scared. They, they didn't tell me for weeks that it was a joke. I was petrified, but uh, so it was a good hoax that everyone was in on oh, <laughs> and they got me really good. But, you know, yeah. I, I was just thinking, Mark, you know, like with where I am in New Jersey, like I would love to talk to some people about the Jersey devil because that's, uh, I haven't hmm. heard about that one in a while, but you know, I'd like to get into that, but cry- cryptids are, are wild. And I, I think they're, everything's kind of all connected personally with, with the whole triangle and, and the energy and, and possibly I like what you were saying about interdimensional. Cause I, I'm thinking some of these things may be interdimensional. You well, know? on Jersey, I mean, Chad and I were talking about the, you know, energy vortex and this like pentagram sort of ley line that Peter shampoo shows in his book. And he also talks about this concept of an arc. I was just researching yesterday that some very prominent men, the founders of the New Haven colony where I live in, in Connecticut, actually my hometown, one of the guys who's pretty famous as being a governor of that colony from my hometown moved to Jersey and founded a town called New Ark, which has been, you know, translated over time to New Newark, right? But New Ark is symbolic in this sort of occult architectural toponomical language that chad is is researching as well it, maybe not specifically in new jersey but chad has new jersey come up at all or do you know anything that connects new jersey to what you've been researching no but you kind of rang a bell when you just said new work new work 
There's Newark, Ohio, I've researched, and that's one of the largest areas of Earth's mounds in the Midwest. Um, really? I don't know if you can draw any type. Yep, I don't know if you can draw a connection between that or not, but that's where the, I think the Great Circle Mound is and all the geometric mounds are all, all in Newark, Ohio. Mm, yeah. Well, and certainly when you, when you look at... New Jersey, no. No, and that's all right. I mean, when you look at these names, typically the... The founders of of certain towns will name their town after maybe where they were born or where they had just come from, and yeah, New Ark is is definitely an occult idea. This whole idea of building the new Jerusalem, but maybe let's let's take it back to yeah. Detroit, Chad. You want to tell us a little bit about this Hart Plaza and fill Mike in on how yeah. they created this Stargate there. Well, yeah, Hart Plaza. I mean, the first thing I found when I first started researching it is how the plaza itself was aligned to the constellation of Orion and the Giza pyramids by utilizing the different pieces of architecture. So you have the amphitheater, the Horus and Sun Fountain, and a pyramid that aligned precisely to the Giza pyramids. Then there's a causeway that leads to a giant obelisk that's identical to the causeway that leads to the Sphinx. So you have the what I call the Orion Correlation, and that was built in the 1970s by Osama Noguchi. Then in 2001, they added a couple new pieces for Detroit's tricentennial celebration. They added what's called the Transcending Monument, and this thing looks like a giant stargate that sits right at the front of the plaza. I mean, it looks literally like the scientific or the science fiction stargate. So then you got the wow. transcending Stargate, and at the back of the plaza, they added the gateway to freedom. So uh, some more gateway symbolism. So when was this constructed? Is this is this something that's been there for a while, or is it something newer? Yeah, the actual plaza itself was constructed in 1974, and that included the amphitheater, the horse and sun fountain, and the pyramid, as well as the pylon. So in the 70s, the whole Orion Correlation was built. Then in 2001, the Stargate was built. The Gateway to Freedom was put in place. And a couple new signs to go along with the old monuments. Mm. And when, when it was built in the 70s in the amphitheater, how soon after that were there like strange things going on? Cause I remember hearing you tell a story about David Bowie and a concert. Could you maybe fill Mike in on that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good story. Actually that is as it was being built. So literally oh, as wow. Osama Noguchi would have been outside building this directly next door is what was called Kobo hall. And this is like a concert venue. This is also the same spot that Dr. Martin Luther King eventually gave a speech in. And David Bowie was playing a two-night show there. And on his way into town, David Bowie had her, no, I'm sorry, at his hotel room before the show. David Bowie seen on the news a report that a UFO had just crashed, crashed outside of town and that the local army and police were, you know, on it. And they would have more news at 11. So... David Bowie went and played played his show at Cobo Hall. This is all in a book by David Bowie's wife, by the way. So David Bowie goes to Cobo Hall to play his show that night. And partway through the show, he stops the show. 
And he talks to the crowd. He says, you know what, Detroit? I heard there's a crashed UFO in town. And I just have this feeling that it wasn't the only one. I feel like there's one hovering above us right now. So I'm going to play the most incredible show you've ever seen and put out, put out this vibe so they can feel it. So he goes on to put on this cra- crazy show, you know, and goes back to the hotel room. And the news comes back on that night and said, you know, sorry. We had to fire the newscasters that were on previously at noon. They got fired for pulling a prank on the town. There's no down UFO. It was just a prank that the newscasters yeah. were pulling on you. Well, yeah. David, David Bowie's like, you know, bullshit. That ain't true. So he yeah. sends his assistant out the next morning around Detroit. He's like, go find me the, the biggest telescope you can find. And they got a big old telescope, and they mounted it in the moonroof of David Bowie's limo. So as they were leaving Detroit, they were, you know, searching for these UFOs out, out of the moonroof with, you know, this telescope. And this is the exact same time that Osama Noguchi would have been outside, you know, orientating our no flag up to the pyramids in Orion. No shit. You know, it is, wow. all kinds of these weird stories. Any, any wow. more stories could, could be goofy, but, you know, when there's all these stories, there's all kinds yeah. of stories like that. It starts to become crazy, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what are these th- you know, what are these stargates actually doing, you know? What what are they like it's like a they're calling out to something. It's so interesting. It's really well, and wild. and then the symmetry too when they build these structures to, you know, match what we see in the stars with certain yeah. constellations. It's like maybe they're they're building this like connection point, you know, like string theory, right? You have like this energy resonance on either side and it creates this bridge between the two places absolutely mark i mean absolutely right that's what they say about the 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 ancient structures in mexico and you know throughout south america for sure man and they're always lined up to the stars perfectly and then you know and this is maybe you know a little bit broader of a picture but I would argue that the mounds that we see going all the way up into, you know, Michigan and the Ohio Valley there, Ohio River Valley, that is very much connected to that whole culture in some way down Mm -hmm. there in in Central America. But yeah, man, I mean, it is, it is wild to think. And, you know, Chad and I were just talking about Aleister Crowley before and how there's this whole like mescaline scene going on in detroit and we talk about you know the pyramids that was a very psychedelic culture too you know they were using all sorts of plant medicines down there in masculine scene in detroit now or no this was back in i mean when crowley was there so this had to be like the early 1900s but yeah he bought it from a, a drugstore and was was doing all these cult magic orgies in in, in detroit, detroit. Huh? In Detroit, that's interesting. Yep. In Detroit, what, yeah, yep, that's very interesting because I came across when I was in Detroit. I was came across a psychedelic group that I spent some time, like about five days with. You know, it was very odd, a very odd group. They were nice people, very nice people, but yeah, I met them in a medicine circle. I can't say where, but somewhere in the states, and I met them in a medicine circle. And the one guy was very business savvy and asked me to come out there. And there's so much opportunity in Detroit, and blah blah blah. 
So I went out there to meet him and he had some kind of like commune. I don't really know exactly what was going on. He, they owned a couple streets. Um, I forget what neighborhood it was in, but they owned a couple streets in Detroit, had their own security and everything. And it was like, it was very strange. They had no furniture, but most of their furniture was like ripped out. <laughs> Beautiful homes, beautiful homes, but none of the fur- there was no furniture in the houses. All the furniture was like ripped out car seats and just yoga mats everywhere and just tons of people and lots of beautiful women and just people all around. And there were, the psychedelics were flowing um, and it was a very <laughs> strange community, but they were nice. Like I said, nice people, nice people. They weren't bad, strange for sure. And uh, I, and that's how I got shown around Detroit. So I was just, uh, I know also about the, you know, the Detroit techno scene. So I know there's a psychedelic community still to this day in Detroit, which would make sense wherever there's a lot of energy and these things happen is where these psychedelic scenes pop up. Um, you know, but yeah, it was wild. What I witnessed out there. Some of the coolest things I've seen in, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Were you going to say the coolest thing you've ever seen? Well, I was just going to say some of the coolest things in Detroit have to do with the techno scene. Like, I've, I've just oh, seen yeah. at Hart Plaza in particular, I, you know, I've, I've been to different techno things around the country before, but there's a total, total different feel when it's held at Hart Plaza that's really hard to explain. And I don't know if it's the promoters or the place itself or what it is, but, you know, it's a super. It's called movement and they have it every year. It's a super yep. cool experience. Yep. Yep. I'm aware of movement and yeah, Detroit, Detroit techno is, whew, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just, that's wild. That's a whole nother tangent we could go down, but yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing to me too, that like what's happened, how, how it has become a ghost. I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Cause I think the city was amazing. And I was there, like I said, about six years ago when it was really, I don't know if it's still like that, but it was like a ghost town. But from what I was told, when the techno parties come in, it's still it's still vibrant and alive. Because I remember in the 90s, I never made it to a Detroit techno party, but I remember New York buzzing. Amazing. And, and I heard that, you know, even like I said, six years ago, people were still talking about the Detroit parties and movement and all that stuff going on. I, I, I just missed one when I was there but I was talking to a lot of people about it and it kind of brought the whole city together. It's just, it's amazing. Detroit techno and the Detroit uh, techno scene is an amazing, amazing thing. If anybody wants to get into that. Um, But yeah, one thing I also wanted to ask you, Chad, have you ever, I don't know why I did this, but I decided to, I I went and I looked at a lot of the, the cemeteries in Detroit. And I don't know if you've ever done that. There are, talk about masonic imagery it's just everywhere and some of these these some of these tombs are just like they, they look like almost like egyptian elaborate they were why i never saw anything like it yeah absolutely stranger brought that up i'm wondering if you went to one called woodlawn cemetery possibly soup been to quite a few but there's one in particular off eight mile in detroit called woodlawn cemetery that is where a lot of the the richer folks from the ancient days in detroit were buried that's uh, definitely where I went. Brothers, That's definitely where I went. Bears. Okay, yeah, man. I've been there s- several times. One of the fountain at Hart Plaza is called the Horace and Son Fountain. It's dedicated to Horace Dodd. Yes, yes. So I actually, one one day felt, you know, after finding out all kinds of information at Hart Plaza, 
I had some weird feeling I should go and pay my respects to Horde's Dodge at his, you know, at his resting place in the cemetery. And like you said, dude, they're just giant Egyptian mausoleums surrounded mm-hmm. by sphinx, surrounded by obelisks. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're incredible. They're incredible. It is incredible. It, is, it was, yeah. I'll never forget that, and it was wild, and yeah, it's it's just so interesting. Detroit is just such an interesting city. It really is. I love to go back there. Now, you know, I went there, like I said, with a business opportunity and just had no idea what I was getting myself into, and I, you know, I just wish I would like to go back because it's it's amazing. I mean, just the cemetery that I went to alone, it, it, it really, I, 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 I urge more Americans to go take a, a, a trip out there. And don't listen to a lot of people where they, you know, some people are trying to scare me how dangerous it is. And I never felt in danger to any of the time I was there. And I was supposedly in some of the bad areas or whatever. It just felt more of just a, just felt like I keep saying, it felt more like a, almost like a ghost town than anything. But the history and the feeling was just wild. Yeah, for sure. And, and like six years ago, it was, say, it's came back quite a bit since six years ago. So the streets are definitely a lot more populated than they were six years ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, that, yeah. you know that, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good place to go. Like you said, there are, and I'll be honest, there are rough parts of town. So I, I lived there, and I lived in a r- pretty rough parts of town. But, you know, if you're smart about it, it's no different than any other city. Exactly. Uh, d- downtown, that's definitely not the case. It's like the place we're talking about, Hart Plaza, Campus Mars, Belle Isle. This, it's not rough down there. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was really interesting. I would love to go back now, even having just having this conversation with you and just and just check it out because it, it it's just like I said, a wild wild place. The imagery is it's just right there. But you know, I mean, I've been in New York City pretty much my whole life, and now that I have a different set of eyes. When I go back and look at some of the stuff in New York City, I'm like, wow, this has always been here. Never realized this. Like, so, you know, it's kind of wild how in the cities there is just so much imagery everywhere. Mark, I mean, we, we had oh, a podcast man. a couple, we did a show, I don't know, a couple months ago, right? About to examine, to examine the, 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 symbolism of New York City would be a huge undertaking, but I, I definitely have seen some strange things being, you know, sort of adjacent to New York City, not going there a lot, but every year since I've been a kid, I've probably been there at least once or twice. So, yeah, but I mean, there's the Cleopatra's needle. And then, yeah, what you're saying about New Haven, mm-hmm. Chad and I actually got into that a little bit when he was on my show, the symbolism of New Haven. And yeah, no matter where you are, man, you can find this stuff. I mean, Chad, New York City is huge. Have you ever been? I had been years ago. I went there to see a Graham Hancock lecture. Oh, right on. I flew in to see a Graham. Graham Very Hancock cool. was giving a lecture at Alex Alex Gray's art studio. If you're familiar oh, with when Alex Gray. It, yeah, yeah, of course. When he still had it in New York City. Wow, I've been to Alex Gray's. Exactly. I've been to Alex yeah. Gray's uh, mansion up there in uh, Wappinger yeah. Falls or something like yeah, that, Hudson right? Hudson Valley. You're talking about Hudson Valley. Chad's talking about the old days. Yeah, he was in. It used to be the. Oh God, I'm forgetting the name. But he had the church, the art church in New York City. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's actually the only time I've been to New York, though. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think there's definitely plenty of places 
all over the United States that we could spend time examining and find the the symmetry and whatnot and how this all correlates. But yeah, New York City for sure has uh, has a code in it. I know Chris Knowles has done some work. It's not exactly his thing to to do this kind of looking at the maps and all that. But he is you know very synchromistic and. I've seen him do some work examining like the World Trade Center site, but yeah, man. Chad, have you ever thought of, or do you maybe do like tours? If Mike and I were ever to come out to Detroit, do you ever do like tours of Hart Plaza and show people who are there like what's going on? Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's been a while. I say so last one I gave, gave was like. I want to say 2014 or something, but yeah, I used to, I'd rent out big uh, lecture hall and I'd give a lecture and then I'd follow that with the tour around Hart Plaza and Campus Martius and then we'd go out to eat at the Hard Rock Cafe afterwards. But yeah, cool. absolutely. I love giving cool. tours. It's been a while, but for sure. Awesome. Right on. Well, Chad, I, I have to take off pretty soon, but where could any of the listeners of the Free, Free Thinker Society find you and more of your work? First off, thanks, Michael. It was a pleasure. Of um, course. You can find my work. At, I got a website, chadstemkey.com. Stemkey is spelled S-T-U-E-M-K-E. And pretty much all, all of my articles are over there. Awesome. Chad, this has been so much fun. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future, man. Thank you so much. Right on. Thank you. Likewise. Likewise, Michael. Thank you. Thank you.